Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Or you can email us at taylor at swatradio.com. That's taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, at swatradio.com. Well, as I've said Throughout the week, Doug is out all week, and today we have in the studio with us David Gray. David's been uh, has been a while since you've been in. It's glad to have you in. How yeah, you do, how has, you doing today? I'm good. It has been a while, and always great to be here. It was fun for me to listen to you and Brad the last couple of days, and uh, always good to be here and uh, with you especially, Taylor. Well, yeah, I'm glad you. Like I said, it's been a while, so I was like, oh, when Doug said David was going to be, I was like, okay, cool, yeah, it'll yeah. be good, and. Um, so things been going well with you? Yeah, going okay. Um, I, 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 uh, like I said, I listened to you guys yesterday and I'm, I'm going to throw you a little curveball. I think that, uh, we need to switch up today from the text and spend the whole hour, um, discussing Brad's stunning really on air admission yesterday that he gets pedicures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, hopefully he's listening and uh, we can help him a little bit. But, yeah. Right. You know, I, my, I'm sure my wife would love it if I did. My feet are pretty gnarly and, uh. <laughs> She's mentioned it a couple of times, but uh, so Brad's clearly secure enough in his yeah, man, right. in his manhood. <laughs> so maybe we can learn something from him. So yeah, right. <laughs> I got a big kick out of that. Yeah, yeah it was funny when he said that. Um, <laughs> Taking that beautiful feet yeah. thing a little too literally. <laughs> yeah, <Brad>. right. <laughs> um, you been uh, keeping up on the news at all? Seen anything going? Yeah, on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, you guys were you guys were talking about the lead up. Yeah. to these elections, these bellwether elections, and now we have the results. And mm-hmm. uh, very, very interesting. Um, it, it sounds like the, the Virginia race is over, I have to admit. I was waiting to see if there would be Ballot shenanigans yeah. <laughs> uh, with that. Um, I, I'm very happy to see that it appears to be a clean and fair election, and not just because maybe the guy that I wanted to win won, but but that I haven't seen anything with respect to any any funny business. Um, and, of course, you know, after 2020, I think a lot of our a lot of people's fears are that we're not going to have free and fair elections or that they're going to be tampered with. And if we don't have – if we can't trust the elections, then we, we, we really – you know, it's going to cause a lot of people to despair. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm encouraged by that. Um, encouraged by the fact that people rose up clearly. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 you guys were mentioning some of the podcasts and, and folks that you listened to yesterday. And there's a couple of guys, uh, there's an organization called Outkick. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It's Clay mm-hmm. Travis and a guy named Jason Whitlock. And, yeah, Clay Travis done, has done some stuff uh, out of the studio kind of right next to us. Oh, has he really? When he's in for games. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And they, you know, they're sports guys and Jason Whitlock work for ESPN, but they've, they're conservative and, and they've had some great opinions and takes on things, especially Jason Whitlock as, oh, yeah. as an African-American talking about critical race theory and, and just the, the whole racism craze in general. He has had some, uh, you know, cause he's got that, uh, program now on the blaze um and I, i've seen clips from it but he's had uh, first he had Bodie bacham on there a few times right, he has something right. on wednesdays where he has uh, ministers come in but he's had a few uh guys that 
been really good. Uh, Delano Squires is one of the guys that's with him who okay. he has on. Yep. Uh, frequently, really intelligent guy. He's a black dude, homeschools, uh, does a lot of cool stuff. And then he had another guy on today, which I, I don't know. He's he's a black guy who's uh, affiliated with Douglas Wilson. Um, but I his name on, uh, on, on Twitter is Chocolate Knox, but I don't know. <laughs> what his real name is, yeah. but I was like, I, I just saw some of the stuff he's putting out too. Right. Like, oh, wow, that's some good stuff, and it's good to see, you know, uh, Jason Whitlock kind of come into that and having people on who are, seem to be solid Christian men, uh, giving them a platform, even though it's obviously a sports show, but right. going a little bit broader than just sports. Well, and you sit up and take notice when mm-hmm. people like that speak on those issues mm-hmm. as African Americans. I mean, you know, the, those are the guys I want to hear from and, and, and hear, you know, what they what they really think and you know, I, I, I think um, th- that's been great. I, you know, well, the reason I brought up Clay Travis was he made the comment, or I read something from him this morning, that this was a mom revolution hmm. in, in Virginia. And, um, you know, one of the questions I saw that I thought was really interesting to, to ponder um, was did the lockdowns cause parents to, to be woken up to what's being taught in the schools? Oh. I think the answer is a resounding yes. I mm-hmm. think... You know, you know, you know what it was like when you were in school, and when I was in school, you came home. How was school today? Fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it, my dad used to always ask me, "What'd you learn in school today?" And I ha- actually, I had to give him an answer. I <laughs> couldn't say nothing. Yeah, other than you know, the 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 pizza wasn't any good for lunch. But <laughs> but um, but you know, most kids come home, and parents you know aren't as maybe up to speed on what's going on in their classes. But you get a kid sitting there, and you're in the you're in the room, kind of listening in. And they're on a Zoom class, and you start hearing things. Now we know also why there was a lot of teachers that didn't want parents around mm. while the Zoom classes were going on, right? Yeah. Because yeah. There's, there's so much dating myself, as Archie Bunker used to say, crapola out, <laughs> out there, right? And I, I, I just wonder how much that had an effect on, on what was going on in Virginia. Well, I think, you know, a big part – well, two things. One uh, – you, I think there has to be some credit goes to Joe Manchin, the Democrat, because there was an effort to completely rehaul the way elections were done. Um, that would have made legal some of the stuff that happened in the federal election that people are questioning, made it le- legal all around. Um, so to be able to stop that is a, a big thing, which led to, you know, like you said, having that electric ele- election integrity um, in the in the boat here in Virginia. But then also what was going on in Loudoun County uh, had played a huge part. Um, first off, that you know the, the whole domestic terrorist thing, but then the when uh, the the Daily Wire broke the story of what really happened with that guy and with that guy's uh, daughter, um, that woke people up big time too. Right. Um, and then couple that with oh no no we're not teaching anything like critical race theory. And then in Loudoun County, this came out again uh, right before the election. A uh, mom gave a presentation that her six year old daughter came home and was like, am I evil because I'm white? I saw that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think those things, um, and, the, and like you said, that the fact that parents could see it for real, uh, yeah. I think that made a big difference. Well, that, out of the mouths of babes, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that statement by a question by a six-year-old is at the heart of all of this. Mm-hmm. Right? What makes someone good or bad, you know, in human terms, all right, or, or even in biblical terms, right? What we're not defined as a group, we're not defined by race. We're not defined. We're defined by who we are as individuals, mm-hmm. right? And even Martin Luther King said that, right? We're defined by the content of our character, right? And um, so to to take that and flip it on its head, and and that is not to you know, th- th- we're going to talk about this in a minute. But the woman who was elected lieutenant governor, 
is from Jamaica, mm-hmm. is is black, and uh, she she made that you know, joking comment. By the way, in case you haven't noticed, I'm black and I've always been black, yeah, right? Yeah. And I I would say the same thing. I'm white and I've always been white. And so I certainly there are things that I can't speak to, and and from an experience standpoint, and I understand that. But on the other hand, I also understand that what the Bible teaches us that we're all created in God's image, and that God doesn't show favoritism, right? Yeah, and you know this whole movement, like you, you mentioned, Martin Luther King, who said, uh, you know, judge me by the uh, not by the content of my or the color of my skin, but the content of my character. Right. And this is a reversion of that. This is going back to tribalism and uh, uh, kind of those uh, tribalistic animosities, which are not good, and uh, particularly not good in a, uh, a a republic such as ours, which is you know supposed to be a melting pot. Right. Um, and instead of melting all the cultures together and having that one American culture uh, trying to say, okay, wait, no, this is ours and this is yours and they're bad and we're the oppressed, uh, that, that, that leads to violence. It, well, it's what's going on in places like Afghanistan mm-hmm. and the Middle East and South that, Africa. That, that kind of tribalism, exactly right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, and again, I say this with all due respect and understanding that I'm white and will always be white and I've always been white and I don't have the experiences of other uh, minority people. But but I, it seems to me that prior to all this, there there were great strides made. And, and we have done a lot as a country to heal a lot of those divisions. And, you know, and that's why it's so important, I think, for people of color when they do speak out and say, hey, look, I'm not oppressed. That one guy I think of in particular, I can't remember his name, but he, he, he went viral and he gave a speech at some school board and said, you know, African-American guy and said, I'm not oppressed. Mm-hmm. This is this is how I live. Mm-hmm. And I live in a great country. And, and you know, not perfect. But anyway, I, I, important steps to get all these things talked about and, and, and get them out there. And then, you know, we mentioned this, um, the lieutenant governor that won the woman's name is Winsome Sears. And. You know, I was struck by the by the uh, the name. You and I were talking about this. It kind of harkens back to like a, a Puritan type it, name, yeah. You know, like Prudence or Providence or Temperance or, but um, and I, even with the last name, it just kind of yeah, flows like a flow. name you would have read. In it history, does flow, yeah. and uh, you know, Jamaican immigrant, Marine, and here's somebody that and 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 appears to me at least I don't know for sure, but she's she's given credit to God, mm. you know, for her, for what's happened in her life. And, um, but, but a great story. And the yeah. first woman, never mind the first African-American woman, but I think the first woman mm-hmm. in the state of Virginia to be elected lieutenant governor. Yeah. And I'm sure it's not going to get much play in, in the mainstream media. It's not gonna, it's not going to be reported. Yeah. I think uh, the only thing that I've seen so far is, oh, well, she was a token. Right. Um, you know, and, and at the same time, going on to say that this race was completely about white supremacy and the the reestablishment or the keeping of white supremacy, yeah. um, which is to me like seems like at least the media has not learned any lessons from the way that they've been acting because parents and, and people of Virginia seem to be really rejecting that whole narrative of you know race based grievances. Right. You know what I mean? And, and hopefully that's something that uh, that the rest of the country. Uh, is gonna follow through with too so right we'll have to wait and see right 
All right, we are up against our first break. We'll be back with more after the break. I'd like to give a shout-out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, and all of our local listeners, 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkestone, Georgia. And also like to give a shout-out to all of our listeners listening online, wherever you are in the country or around the world. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. That is Red Letters by David Crowder. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you were just joining us, we were talking a little bit uh, just before the break about uh, the big news coming out of Virginia and uh, just kind of the ramifications that that may have for the country. And well, something we'll have to uh, sit and see. But yeah, big night. Um, not only in Virginia, but kind of uh, some a few other places around mm. the country as well. Yeah, we were just talking in the break about, and I don't know a lot about this, but apparently there were local elections in Minneapolis and uh, some of the city council candidates that ran on kind of a defund the police platform were defeated and I, I believe defeated soundly. Yeah. So that's a big that's a big item too. Yeah, I think uh, Minneapolis definitely rejected that uh that whole notion there after you know the the terrible year that they've gone through and some some of the things that happened to not just the businesses but residents there. Um they're letting their voices be heard, which is good. And then even in New, in New Jersey where um it's looking like they're saying that the Democrat is going to uh well, I forgot his and what's his name? He he's it, yeah, Murphy is the yes. incumbent. Right? Yes, it, looking like he's going to um, pull out the victory, although it was looking last night like mm-hmm. he might not. But still, the gains that were made in that state right. were huge. I think I saw somewhere that some trucker who uh, spent three hundred or two hundred dollars on his campaign was, you know, in the race at least with uh, one of the state senators there. So uh, yeah, pretty that to only spend that m- amount of money, and then right. also with the governor race to be neck and neck is. Right. And that's pretty big news as well. Right. Well, back to the Minneapolis uh, city council races, I, I, I read again um, that it was many African-Americans that were speaking up against the defunding the police, you know, movement and, and you know, making comments along the lines of, look, 
if we've got something going on or I feel threatened, I don't want to call a social worker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to call a police officer who's trained and, and, and can really do something to help. And I think, you know, people recognize black and white, right, recognize that um, how important the police are and, 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 and how, what they've meant to the country. Are, are there bad police officers here and there? Of course, just like there are bad, you know, people in all different kinds of uh, business or, or different vocational fields. But the vast majority do a great job. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's just good to see that people's voices are being heard. Yeah, and, you know, you know talking about the police, uh, that's something that's pretty uh, a pretty Western uh, idea to have a police force and stuff like that. A lot In a lot of places, it's the military that mm-hmm. uh, carries out that function, and that's a pretty big difference between someone who uh, protects and serves and lives in the community um, in a way and is uh, still a civilian, although at a different capacity, um, than the military doing that. And uh, the 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 need for police officers that are good and just and are willing to stand for what is right and not stand for what is wrong right um you know is important and i think this year has shown a lot of people the importance of the police not only in when the times are bad uh but also for them to make sure that you have police officers in there who are uh, of good moral character so that they don't go along with some of this craziness that we've seen um you know Think about Australia, Canada, right. us at the beginning of the pandemic, right. and that they don't go along with that, and they say, "No, this is right, and this is where I stand." Yeah. Uh, I think is important, and and the people of Minneapolis, uh, Minneapolis, um, they've seen yeah. firsthand what it's like to have police officers who are not there um, because they've been defunded or because their hands have been tied so much that they can't effectively do anything. Kind of like what you see out uh, west, and you know that's not that's not helpful. And I think hopefully. The, the country is going to wake up to that and say, mm-hmm. hey, we want our police officers. We want them in the in the, the city that we want them to protect us and we, and we want them to have good, solid character um, so that we have a good relationship yeah. with them. Right. And, you know, the last thing we were chatting about, and this, this is a little lighter, a little more irony, but, you know, uh, kind of along the same lines that uh, the, the World Series wound up being played and won by the – in Atlanta and won by the Braves. Yeah. And, of course – Earlier in the season, if we might recall, the big brouhaha mm-hmm. over the Major League Baseball All-Star game was slated to be played in Atlanta. And uh, the commissioner there, Rob Manfred, kind of caved to political pressure and over the Georgia, the new Georgia voting law, which is not anything crazy. Right? Yeah. It, wow, it requires voter identification. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think uh, there was... Marks of some like New Jersey had tougher uh, voter oh, yeah. ID, and, and they yeah. and they moved the All Star Game to Coors Field in Denver. Yeah, and Colorado has a law that's just as, you know, I shouldn't say restrictive because it's not restrictive, but has the same requirements, yeah. or maybe even a little harsher requirements than Georgia. But Georgia was in the spotlight mm-hmm. because of the Senate races that had mm-hmm. just happened and how close it was in the presidential election. But anyway. Well, and then also by doing that, uh, you know, Atlanta obviously has the biggest concentra- concentration of black population, uh, black business owners. So yep. it cost them about, a lot of money. Talking about that it was racist to do that, and then yep. really they're hurting the pocketbooks of, uh, of black individuals and, and uh, people there, which was a little ironic in its time. But even more ironic then is that, you know, uh, even bigger stage, the, the uh, World Series, you got two, you know, Texas and Georgia, or where the both of those uh, teams are coming from, and both have – 
you know, laws that have maybe been contentious. And so to have to uh, spotlight those two areas and then for right. uh, the Braves to win, which the Braves themselves, just with their name, is contentious yep. uh, in Correct. this day and age. So, Correct. yeah, Correct. it's, it's uh, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. God might have a little sense of humor, right? I mean, <laughs> I got a kick out of it, yeah. actually. I, I read the article and I wasn't really thinking about it until I read something about it. And then I said, oh, yeah. Well, it shows you how quickly, too, I can forget mm-hmm. about what just happened over the summer, you know, and what <laughs> right. a big deal that was. Well, you and Brad were talking yesterday, uh, Taylor, about, um, you know, just lighthearted talk about Halloween. And uh, Brad was talking about eating too much candy. And I think you said you went to a, trunk or treat right mm-hmm. with your with your how old is your daughter now she's one okay yeah so that must have been fun what did she dress up as she, she her middle name is aria which means lioness so okay. she dressed up as a lion oh, okay yeah, yeah. i love it yeah. i love it um but a, a guy in a, a a group that i'm in a, a men's group was reminding us that uh halloween is also reformation day mm-hmm. and he sent a great link um with some a little article about reformation day and i just kind of jotted down a few of the highlights and uh, thought it would be worth bringing up, especially because I thought some of these things, A, because as believers, we should know something about Reformation Day and know something about Martin Luther, and even if we're not Martin Luther scholars, um, but also that some of the things in this article are relevant to the text that you and Brad have been going through and that, that Doug taught on in SWAT last week. But but the idea that you know at that time, uh, at a high level, without getting into all the details, the church— was selling indulgences, this idea that you could buy indulgences, you could pay money to get loved ones out of purgatory mm. more quickly. Uh, the, I know there was a famous um, individual who sold them. I think his name was his last name was Tetzel, or he was known as Tetzel, and he had a little rhyme, and it said something like, you know, when the coin in the coffer rings, another soul from purgatory springs. I think yep. that's basically what it was. Yep. Um, and there was a lot of other things, parts to, or, or um, factors in all of that. But the church was selling indulgences and people who didn't have any money were shelling out money to thinking they were, you know, getting their loved ones out of purgatory mm-hmm. and, and into heaven. And, um, and also it wasn't just the indulgences. It was, um, it was people paying money to view relics. Right. No. Churches. I remember a number of years ago, there's a, a secular author named Ken Follett who's written a lot of good novels. And he wrote one called The Pillars of the Earth. And the book mm. was about set in kind of the Middle Ages. And it was about a town building a cathedral and hoping to draw crowds and make money off the cathedral because they had like the finger bone of one of the apostles. I forget which one it was, but. And and that was a real thing. People would come to these supposed relics and give money, and and they would genuflect and worship basically the relics, like like the relics could mm-hmm. could do something. You know, whether it was a bone of an apostle or a splinter from the cross, supposedly, or whatever it was, like those things could do something. And and when Luther saw all this, and he was a monk, he just kind of a simple monk, but saw all this and was sickened by it. And so on October 31st, 1517, is when he actually nailed his 95 theses to the castle door at Wittenberg, or, you know, I, I think I have that right. Um, and again, it was intended to spark debate mm-hmm. and, and soul-searching among his fellow monks and, and, and among members of the church. Um, but, of course, it did much more. It, it revealed that the church wasn't just in need of 
rehabilitation. It was in need of true reform. And um, I never knew this, but one of his 95 theses basically says, the church's true treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ, Mm. period. That's it. Um, And really, this article that I read kind of said that that really sums up the meaning of Reformation Day, right? That that the the true treasure is the gospel of Jesus. Um, And that that meaning had been obscured over the years and decades and centuries by layers and layers of tradition, Mm -hmm. and that those layers of tradition really produced a system of works, you know, and, um, and that the gospel itself is the, is the true treasure, um, of the church. And, you know, a, a guy that was on, who's, who's passed away a few years ago, but that was on uh, Doug's board, a guy named Jack Turpin, and he was an associate pastor at our church and had been a senior pastor in years before. Um, but, but Jack used to say it was kind of a, uh, modification of the famous quote, but that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus nothing. Hmm. And he used to just hammer that, <laughs> that that plus nothing. And, you know, when you and Brad were talking yesterday about the gospel and our ability to um, communicate the gospel clearly and quickly, if we only had a, a minute or two and be able to communicate our testimony, you know, I think in, in being reminded about Reformation Day and be remi- being reminded that the gospel is the true treasure of the church, that that was an important discussion, and maybe we can talk about it a little more today, about our readiness to share the gospel. Yeah, you, you know, just bringing up uh, Martin Luther and everything uh, that happened as a result of his 95 Theses, I can't help but think that, um, you know, he, that, that, that it, it's just, I've been thinking about this a lot over, you know, the past year or so, why the Catholic church had to, you know, push, push it so hard that they had to split. Why, why was there not that spirit of reconciliation to try to keep a unity? And, you know, saw that with the great schism as well. And, uh, that's kind of led to where we're at today, which I think, you know, obviously the reformation was completely necessary. Um, but just as a shame that the Pope, you know, couldn't, uh, yeah, you know, keep keep the keep the uh, fidelity alive uh, in the Christian world, and I think we're hurting right. from that to some to some extent. But absolutely, just went, just made me think about that. All right, so we are up against the news break. Stick with us. We'll be back with more after the news. I'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug, D-O-U-G, at SWATradio.com. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the news. Be 
Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That was Austin French with Freedom Hymn. If you are just joining us, we have been looking at Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 33 this week. As I said, Doug is out of the studio, and in today we have David Gray. So happy to have him in. If you have missed any of our discussion uh, yesterday or Monday with Brad Sykes going over uh, Acts 10, verses 1 through 33, you can go and listen to that at www.swatradio.com. If you'll click on the past programs link there, you'll be able to find our full category of programs, including this one in just about an hour or so. Again, that's www.swatradio.com, or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Hey, well, Taylor, you and Brad did a great job the last couple of days hitting uh – a lot of the uh, the, the points in, um, in in the text in uh, 10 Acts 10, 1 to 33, I thought I'd just do a, a brief review, although I'm sure it won't be brief. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been accused of being brief. Um, but just to piggyback on a couple of the things that you guys were talking about and then continue on um, in, in the text uh, toward the end of the chapter, both, you know, now and then we'll, we'll I'll be here Friday and we'll, we'll do some then as well. But, but um, really that the, that this passage is really at a high level about the salvation of Cornelius, right? About mm-hmm. about the salvation um, by God of a Roman, of a Gentile, and of God's using Peter, one of the disciples and a, and a devout Jew, um, to accomplish that that salvation. And um, you know, Brad went over the fact that that there are four main points. Um, in every salvation experience, in terms of how God works, or, or what God works through in accomplishing salvation, and that is a, a divinely orchestrated plan, um, divinely orchestrated priests, which I thought you guys had a really good discussion about, um, a, divine op- a divine opportunity to profess um, not only faith in Christ, but a, a divine opportunity for the person being used to speak the gospel, to profess the greatness of God, and as Doug always says, to put God on display. I love that term. Um, and, of course, an opportunity for the person hearing to to profess faith and to profess belief. And then, fourthly, a divinely observable presence, meaning um, that the, the person uh, taking the good news to the person who is being saved— um, bears the presence of God because we are whether and, and, and we're gonna to get to this, right? But the, the divinely ordained priests are all of us. All of all of us who belong to God. And mm-hmm. we bear his image, we we have his presence with us. And so anytime wherever we are, right, it it makes sense that God's presence is and that that's observable in the in the salvation process. So you guys started, you know, talking on Monday and then yesterday about this in verses one through eight, the divinely orchestrated plan, um, and and Brad pointed out right that uh, Cornelius clearly saw a vision of, of an angel, and the angel spoke to him and and told him what to do to send for Peter. And uh, you, I liked your conversation about it says right in the text. Luke puts in that, that Cornelius was terrified, mm-hmm. right? As are most encounters with angels or the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, which several times was probably Jesus. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, but the, but the, I think of the, the shepherds at, at Christmas, you know, they were terrified. Mm-hmm. I, I think of Linus and Charlie Brown Christmas and they were sore afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that translation, but you know, th- that's the right response. And, um, but, but Cornelius 
saw the angel. The angel told him what to do. The text mentions in verse 2 that Cornelius feared God. He, he, he didn't, like, like Brad pointed out, he didn't know Christ yet, but he, he believed in the true God, and he feared God, and he prayed, and he gave alms. And again, his, his actions backed up what, what he believed. Um, and, and, and like Brad said, the, the point is that there's a divinely orchestrated plan. And in verse five, the angel says to Cornelius, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. There's the plan. Go to send men to Joppa and bring Peter back. And, um, that, that this passage has special interest for me when, again, I, you know, I've mentioned before, and you know, I've been to Israel with Doug Mm -hmm. and we landed in Tel Aviv and on our way to the hotel, you're exhausted and you think you're not going to start till the next morning. You know, Doug, that night, (laughs) that night on the way to the hotel, we stopped in Joppa and there's a hilltop that's overlooking the Mediterranean. And it says Simon, the Tanner lived by the sea. So Mm -hmm. his house was probably really close there. And, uh, and it's got some great kind of artwork and statues up in this little park of Peter. And then, of course, Joppa was where Jonah took off from yeah. in running away from God. And Doug mentioned that last week, that Peter Peter goes, obeys, and goes to Cornelius, even though he's a Gentile. And it must not have been lost on him that he was in Joppa, and that's where, <laughs> where Jonah was being disobedient. Yeah. And Peter thought, I better not do that. Yeah, you know, right. I thought that was an interesting comment. But... But you guys had a great discussion yesterday about under this divinely orchestrated plan, God's sovereignty in choosing his people. And there were a couple of, Brad read a lot of passages that scripture is full of God, uh, of, of um, proof, right, that, that God chooses, we don't choose him, that he chooses us. And uh, I'm not going to go back and read all those because Brad read a lot, but just a couple of the most noteworthy um Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, as it is written, Brad read this yesterday, no one is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside, and together they have become worthless, no one does good, not even one. And that, that passage goes on with some more very vivid description about, mm-hmm. about the unrighteousness of every person. Um, and then Romans 9, 10 to 13, um, where... where um, Paul is writing about um, God choosing and and God uh, assigning to Abraham through through that that he, he keeping his promise through Isaac, and then um, with Rebecca and and Jacob and Esau. And starting in verse ten of chapter nine, it says, "And not only so, but also when Rebecca had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had not had done nothing either good or bad." in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. She was told, the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. And that term hated there is not necessarily hated the way we think of the word, but but passed over, mm. right? God, God set his love and chose Jacob. And why? Well, because he was pleased to do so. And he passed over Esau. And and I just think that that those passages, among many others, are are um, are such solid evidence of, of of God's election and God's choosing. And I got thinking about as you guys were talking yesterday. You know, a lot of people might not think that that's that important. You know, well, that's just doctrine. That's just theology. Who cares? 
whether God chooses us or we choose God, you know, what difference does it make? So I'm, I gave you a little warning in the break, but I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Why do you, how would you respond to why it's important to understand what the Bible teaches about God choosing us sovereignly? I think it's important um, for the way that you know, your, our theology bears out in how we live, right? So um, if you have the thought that, um, you know, that you can just come to God any old way um, or that, you know, you are in some, you, you know, that you're in some way in control of things that you're not in control of, that, that kind of leads to a puffed up version or a view of yourself, right? Um, and and a, not an understanding of the sovereignty of God and the grace of God and the love of God in his actions. So um, I, I think that there's probably people who don't think deeply enough about it, and you know that might not affect them as much, but I think there's people who have really thought deeply about it, and that theology actually affects the way that they mm. they live. That's really good. I and, and I, I have the advantage of notes. You just and you just <laughs> you just hit about three or four key words that I had in my notes, so that was really good. But yeah, that it that understanding the right way that God is sovereign and that He sovereignly chooses impacts our view of God mm-hmm. and our view of ourselves. We can't have a right view of our condition and ourselves and a right view of God if we don't understand this. Um, and it also it, it helps to eliminate pride. Now I can be prideful. <laughs> at the drop of a hat, but but it helps to eliminate pride in the sense that if we think we had something to do with our salvation, right? There's there's that element of hey God, you owe me because because I chose you and I stuck up for you and I've spoken out for you, therefore you owe me. Or that you're somehow on par with God that in the sense that you can enter into you know a relationship uh, with Him kind of at your will, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that you have some sort of control in that matter. Uh, which would be like an ant thinking that, you know, I could be friends with it, right? You know, it's just not compatible. It would be delusional of the ant to think that, you know, that it it exists without me stepping on it for any other reason than, you know, I don't want to kill an ant, you know what I mean? (laughs) That's right. And, and of course, you mentioned this too. It also helps us better understand grace, right? When we understand our true condition and that this was all of God and none of us, you know, the Bible talks about us being dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses. It, you, that phrase is used more than once. And um, I always have, you know, again, I always joke I haven't had an original thought since <laughs> 1976. But, but this idea that dead men can't make choices. We can't choose God if we're spiritually dead. And spiritually dead is just as real as physically dead, right? And we can't choose. Now, now we'll talk about this later, either today or Friday, but... Do we need to respond to God's offer of salvation? Yes, we do. That we do respond, and you know, there's that element of that mystery, right? But but what is the impetus for our response? It's it's God calling of us and choosing us and giving us the ability to understand. So, yeah, and you know, there's also a deeper understanding of His grace as well. As um, I was actually listening to Doug Wilson talk about this, and you know, someone asked him, "Can a Catholic be a Christian?" Uh, you know, without understanding the reform. Uh, theology or whatever, and he said, "Well, yes, because God is gracious. If it, if it was the understanding of the reform that made you a Christian, right? Well, that would be right. a, akin to Ar- Arminianism. So yeah. it, it it allows for you to have a richer understanding of God's mercy um, in in ways that you know maybe don't really get looked at too much in the colloquial way of looking at it because people look at oh Calvinist, they yep. you know don't care about that thing. Yep. Um, but you know, just since you were bringing it up, it made me think of that. Great. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a great a great illustration and a great point." 
Um, I know we're going to come up to a break here shortly, but just very quickly, you know, under this God's divinely orchestrated plan, God's also sovereign in choosing his timing. Mm -hmm. Brad talked about that, and you did. And, you know, you see the timing of Peter having the vision and Cornelius seeing the angel. It's kind of all happening at once. And, uh, you know, maybe we can get into that a little bit when we get back. And uh, I'm sure you have situations in your own life. I know I do where God's timing was looking back on it. You can really see the perfectness of his timing. Yeah. All right, so stick with us. That's where we're going. When we get back, we will be back with more after the break. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lies If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain that is Chainbreaker by Zach Williams. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 33 this week. If you have any questions or would like to join the discussion, please do so at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Or you can email us at taylor at SWATradio.com. That's taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R at SWATradio.com. So we left off, Taylor, we were just mentioning before the break about, you know, under God's divinely orchestrated plan, as we see with Peter and, and Cornelius here, God's sovereignty and choosing his timing. And, you know, Brad, Brad had a good comment yesterday where he said, you know, um, we want God to send us in our timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, one of the things, Doug, so this happened in 2018, and it really changed the way I kind of pray about things or think about things. And we've mentioned this before, but, you know, a bunch of us went to the Philippines um, on a mission trip, and Doug had brought it up with me, and I thought, you know, I gave the standard stock. Well, let me pray about it. And, and, and that's, that's, you know, honestly, if I'm honest with myself, that was me saying, let me see if I can figure out a way to say no, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, without, but, but sounding religious about mm-hmm, it. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and Doug's comment was, you know, when things like this come up, and, and, you know, with, with the Scripture talks about it lists all the virtues of the Spirit and all the, all the gifts of the Spirit and all the characteristics of the Spirit. And it says against these things there's no law. So when we get the opportunity to serve, our first reaction should always be yes. Now, 
we can't always do it. There are legitimate reasons why we can't always do it. But but our prayer should be, God, I want to do this. But if you don't want me to do this, if this is not your timing, then put an obstacle up so that I I can't go or that I don't do it. And um, you know, there's that that I don't have it right off the top of my head. I'm not as good as Brad this way, but when 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 Paul talks about he was he wanted to go see a particular group of people, but he was blocked. Satan blocked him. Or, you know, and, and obviously God had something to do with that as well, allowing him to be blocked. Um, but that changed the way I, I think about it. And so if, 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 you know, like using the Philippines as an example, everything fell into place and there was no reason that I couldn't go. And I went and it was great. And, and that kind of changed, you know, um, how, how I think about that and how I think about my time. Am I concerned with my comfort and my convenience and my timing or gods. And I'm not saying I got it all figured out, but, um, and then, you know, I look at, I look at certain things in my life and I won't get into this, you know, deeply, but when I was going to college, um, I was going to a school in Massachusetts for my first two years and I, I played ball there, played basketball, but I didn't play a lot. I walked on and really good division two team. And I, anyway, I decided a week before my junior year was supposed to start to transfer to a smaller school in Boston where I could play. And it came right down to the wire. And because the coach was helping me out and he got me in touch with somebody in the admissions office, I was way past the deadlines and they got me in and I can trace that decision, which I thought was mine, right? I guess to, to meeting my wife. Now my wife was in California. I was in Boston because I went to the different school. I met a guy that is still a great friend of mine. I got a job two and a half, three years later through him working for a mutual fund company. And I met my wife on the phone Mm. while she was working for a financial planner in California. And I was, and we met on the phone and talked on the phone for five. That's a story for another program, but we talked on the phone for five months before we ever met face to face. Wow. She was unchurched. I would classify myself at that time in my life as, uh, when the Bible talks about Jesus saying a reed, a, a smoldering reed, I won't snuff out. That was mm. probably me at that point. But there was enough there where God put in me to say to her, you know, this is what I believe and do you want to go to church? And she did, you know. And But that decision to switch schools three years earlier, I wouldn't have met my friend. I wouldn't have got the job where I was. I wouldn't have met her. So I'm sure you can point to some things in your life like that too. And other people can, but you know, the benefit of kind of looking back on it now, many, many years later is, is pretty wild. Yeah. And you know, when you think about that, uh, to think about God time, his timing and his providence. And then, um, the fact that he allows us to partake in, um, his, the work that he has set out for us. You know, I think of, uh, uh, Esther, you know, for such a time as this, you were placed on upon the earth. Uh, but that didn't mean that God wouldn't raise someone else up to fulfill that need, but that for whatever reason, he wanted her to be part of that plan. And uh, I think uh, someone in, in SWAT was sharing about, uh, you know, Daniel when he uh, prayed and then it took 21 days for the angel to get to him because there was warfare going on, but that God for that angel, God allowed that angel to be uh, doing work, for him, um, and that was part of his plan, and allowed him to uh, be par- a partaker mm-hmm. uh, and, and a co-laborer. And that is, is, is it just adds to the 
the prestige of God, but also the mystery mm. of how all that right, works. You know? Right, right. And that's a good segue into that next aspect. The final aspect to that uh, God's divinely orchestrated plan is that he chooses sovereignly who he sends, you know, how he sends and when he sends. And, you know, you, you and Brad were talking about that sometimes, uh, you know, Brad was saying he's guilty of something comes up and he thinks, oh, God, I can't do this. Send somebody else. Mm. Well, and I'm guilty. I, I'm guilty of it all. But I'm also guilty of the flip side that when he does send somebody else, I've had those moments of, well, why can't I do that? <laughs> you know, yeah. why does he get to do that? Like a little kid right. throwing a tantrum. And, um, you know, and of course, you think of the, the passage where Paul writes, you know, it, you know, it's not about it wasn't about Barnabas or Paul or Silas. It was about God mm-hmm. and about one plants and one sows and mm-hmm. one reaps and one waters and all of that. And, 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 you know, that redirection of our focus that this is about it's not about us. And yet I'm given to those little fits of, you know, covetousness and jealousy and. You know, and and laziness, right? And mm-hmm. so I'm on both sides of the spectrum. Oh, send somebody else because I can't do that right now. And then there's sometimes when I'm like, why does he get to do that or she get to do that? So anyway, so the second the second aspect to God in every salvation experience is that God uses divinely ordained priests. And I know you know the answer to this, but who are the divinely ordained priests? It sounds like some real big, long education requirement. <laughs> yeah, no, it is the the children of, of God is those who have put their faith in him, who he's called and elected. That's right. That's right. And, and you and Brad went over some passages yesterday, Exodus 19, 6, where Moses is relaying to the people of Israel what God told him to say. And that includes, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And then and then in First Peter 2, 9, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. And I love this. In that, he he includes a people for his own possession, mm-hmm. right? That that is so personal that we are God's possession and, and to expo- proclaim his excellencies um, out of, that, the, of the one who brought you out of darkness into light. And again, I, I, I think of Doug's phrase, put him on display. I, I think that's such a good, quick phrase to remember that no matter where we are, we, we, we can do that. Um, can you also read, you guys had a great discussion yesterday about the need for for people to hear, and this is where the pedicure came up. How beautiful are the feet! Um, but can you read Romans ten fourteen to fifteen? All right. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? Mm. And and that was a convicting discussion uh, you know you guys ask the question how beautiful are my feet these days and it's what's interesting and, and and i'm sure this happens to you a lot you'll hear you'll have a discussion you'll hear a sermon you'll read something and then something just like it will come up in another venue mm. right and in my tuesday night study at our church we're, we're also doing acts by the way mm. god must <laughs> want me to be an axe but um we're a little bit ahead and we were on chapter 14 talking about Paul being stoned and, and, but just basically getting up and walking 30 miles the next day and continuing to go back and preach to these people that, that were against him. And we were talking the other night about the marks of a good disciple or, or missionary or follower of Jesus. Yeah. We're all disciples. We're all missionaries to that extent. And we're all followers. But this idea that, 
um, when, you know, we all, God promises, right, that when we get, come into his presence and come into heaven, we're going to hear, well done and good and faithful servant. But, but that implies that we're doing something, yeah. right? Not to earn our salvation, but that in his service, because we're saved by him, he saved us to do something. It's the James, you know, faith without works is dead. We're saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. That mm-hmm. quote is attributed to Martin Luther, maybe Calvin, but um, but this idea that we're supposed to be doing something. And so what are we doing to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? And that kind of in conjunction with how beautiful are my feet is is, is are good questions to, to ponder. But But we were talking about the marks of effective followers and missionaries and but this idea this is not all of them but that paul and barnabas were they had great boldness you know to go through opposition right they had humility they there were those stories about the people wanting to worship them Mm. and they said just like peter you know no don't i'm a man just you know pointing them to god you know persistence (laughs) being stoned and then going right back to the people who stoned him prevailing through trials and then following up, even though he had been rejected in a lot of these places, going back to these cities and following up with preaching and, and just the commitment that they showed. Um, and so, you know, when you guys were talking about thinking about are my feet taking the gospel, you know, and, and combined with <laughs> that passage up ahead in Acts on what is it, what are the marks of a good follower of Jesus? What am I doing, you know, um, convicting? convicting and uh i hope i hope listeners will think about those things as well yeah you know it's funny you said what are the marks of a follower of jesus and in that passage well sometimes the marks are physical ones absolutely right? absolutely um, yep yeah that uh, doug will get to that i'll be anxious to hear what doug teaches on that because those weren't little pebbles they were yeah. throwing at him saying get out of here yep you know yeah um yeah, then we'll, we'll save that for when we get there, and we will save the rest of the passage for when David returns on Friday, so make sure you are listening uh, for that. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio, and you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great day. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual